Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Wednesday the 17th of April. Coming up, two more people charged with murder after Maidstone stabbing. Dean of Rochester gives his reaction to the huge fire at Notre Dame. Horrific, really. I mean, it was just uh, stunned disbelief, really. And in football, we hear from the man who's helped save Dover from relegation. Main focus was obviously getting them on the training ground, getting them organised, getting them fitter. Uh, and, and certainly looking at them now, that's, you know, we reap the rewards of training every day and uh, you can see it in the performances. Kent Online News. First up today, there's an update on a murder investigation in Maidstone. Two more people have been charged after a man was stabbed to death outside his home. Wesley Adyinka was found in Knight Rider Street in the early hours of February the 10th. A 37-year-old man from Surrey and 17-year-old boy from south-west London have been charged with murder and GBH. A 39-year-old man from Norwood in London is due to go on trial in August. Kent Online reports. French President Emmanuel Emmanuel Macron has promised to rebuild Notre Dame Cathedral within five years and make it even more beautiful. The spire and most of the roof were destroyed in a huge fire in Paris on Monday night. The Dean of Rochester, Philip Hesketh, has been giving Joe his reaction to it all. I mean, it was just uh, stunned disbelief, really. And I think that when you get situations like this where iconic buildings are um, damaged or lost even, it goes to the very heart of who we are as a, a people and, and a nation, really. Such a, an iconic building, so much history there. Did it resonate with you that bit more? Oh, definitely, yes. And I think it probably did to um, everyone, staff here, volunteers, all those who, who, who love Rochester Cathedral. And you can't help thinking, you know, um, uh, the you know similar situation that might happen here. And um, so, yeah, you, you do immediately think that and uh, you look out of the window, in my case, and think everything's everything OK. What was your um, sort of reaction to, to or what, was, what would be your message to the French people right now who are just almost shedding a tear, really upset, tragic circumstances? What was your message? Well, I think, particularly, uh, I think particularly at this time in Holy Week, um, which is, you know, a really important time for the Christian church, it seems it's extraordinary this has happened at this time. Um, but our prayers and our thoughts uh, are, are with those who have been involved and caught up in this um, in this situation uh, for the people of Paris, for, for those who, uh, the Christian community particularly uh, there as well, but everyone who, who, who loved that building and, and spoke to them and represented so much for them. Moving on, sort of the... The reaction has been, look, let's, let's restore it, let's get it back to where it was. What's your feelings, thoughts and feelings on whether it should be restored to where it should be? It's, it's a very iconic place, very historic building. I think it will be. I mean, I think people will, I mean, I think already, I think money has started flowing in and I think that it will bring people together. Often tragedy and disaster does bring people together. It brings out the best in people and a sign of hope. And um, I think people will come together and it won't just be the people of um France or Paris, or it'll be, it will be much wider than that, I think. French prosecutors looking into the blaze think it was probably an accident. Meantime, cathedrals and churches across Kent are being urged to toll their bells for seven minutes from seven tomorrow night as a sign of solidarity. Kent Online News. A Folkestone man's been jailed for 10 years after stabbing another man 11 times, leaving him scarred for life. A court heard George Mee had taken cocaine, alcohol, and cannabis 
cannabis before the attack on Bigginswood Road in Cheriton in June. The 21-year-old from Cromwell Park Place pleaded guilty to wounding with intent. A man who tried to smuggle seven people, including two children, into the UK through Dover has been sentenced to four and a half years in prison. The 20-year-old Romanian used a specially adapted van with a hidden compartment but was stopped by Border Force officers at the Eastern Docks last month. Police are investigating after a teenage girl told officers a man used her friend's identity to meet up with her in Swanley. The 17-year-old was contacted online by someone pretending to be a person she knows and they arranged to meet in Pink's Hill on Saturday. She left when she realised the man was a stranger. Kent Online reports. A medical detection dog trained to sense changes in blood sugar levels for his diabetic owner has been given an animal OBE. Eight-year-old Labrador Pals been awarded the PDSA Order of Merit at a special ceremony at Leeds Castle. He's alerted his owner Claire Pearson, who lives in Bickner near Sittingbourne, to more than 12,000 separate blood sugar changes by smelling chemicals in her breath. Here's Claire telling us more about it. His nose is absolutely incredible. He's been my absolute lifesaver. Six months ago today, actually, I had a double organ transplant, which was kidney and pancreas. So potentially, Pal, Pal's not got too much to do now because my new pancreas is working really well and the new kidney. Um, but Pal will still, I know he's still constantly keeping an eye on me and he will alert at times like maybe before we go to bed or when we come back from a walk because he knew those were the times that my blood sugars would quite possibly drop. Um, and also they said they're not going to retire him just yet because if anything should go wrong with my new pancreas, um, my blood sugars would automatically be affected and power would be the first one to know that, that there was an issue. So, um, And a couple of times he's already warned me that things are not quite right there and things are, you know, needed looking at at the hospital. So, yeah, he really is my lifesaver. For Powell today to get this reward, it's well, it's just it's beyond words, really. He's just been such an incredible asset to our family, not just me, to you know, to my husband and the boys and that as well. Um, and it goes an awful long way to show just how how amazing the medical detection dog charity are as well. This award is for them as well as Powell. Um, so yeah, it's um, and I'm so glad that they took a real leap of faith in partnering me with Powell because otherwise we wouldn't be here today. Now you might need to get the sun cream out this weekend as a mini heat wave is expected to hit Kent in time for Easter. Forecasters reckon it'll be the hottest weekend of the year so far and warmer than some parts of Spain. Alex Burkill from the Met Office has been telling Ish exactly what we should expect over the next few days. First of all, how hot could it get over the Easter weekend in Kent? It does look like temperatures are going to rise as we go through this week. And into the Easter weekend could get temperatures around 22, maybe even 23 Celsius. I think Saturday's looking like the hottest day. And why are we seeing such high temperatures? It's all due to the amount of sunshine that we're going to see, as well as the warmth. It is going to be very sunny through the next couple of days. And with our air coming from the near continent from the southeast, that's a warm direction. So that's going to allow temperatures to rise so high. And there's reports of it being... hotter than places like Ibiza, for example. Is this news that should be welcomed or is there anything unusual at all about it? It's not unusual for us to get uh, hot spells like this. I mean, we've already seen temperatures into the low 20s earlier in February, in fact. But it is true that we are going to be quite a bit warmer than some parts of Spain in particular because they're getting a lot of unsettled weather as we go through the next few days. So quite contrasting forecasts. And comparing also to the rest of the country, how hot will Kent be in comparison? Kent will be one of the warmest spots, 
But actually, as we go through this weekend, the warmth is going to be really widespread across much of the UK. So many places will be getting into the low 20s. Could this potentially start a trend as we head towards the summer? Is it potentially a trend that could emerge of warm weather? This looks like it will be a warm spell of a few days, but there is going to be something of a breakdown as we go towards next week, really. So I think the warmth will last through pretty much the whole of the long Easter weekend for Kent. But then we will see things turning more changeable and then a drop in temperatures too. So it's not really a good indication for what's going to happen as we head towards summer. Fantastic. And and should we be cautious at all heading out into that warm weather? Unfortunately, with the warm weather, we do have some things to be wary of. So yes, the UV levels will be higher than normal. And so you will want to wear sun cream and take shade if you're out in the sunshine for a particularly long period of time and always drink plenty of water. As well as that, pollen levels are going to be uh, on the high side of things for the time of year. That's partly because of the warm weather that we had earlier in the year, but also with this dry, settled, warm period we're entering into now, that will allow for higher than normal pollen levels. Kent Online Sport. Football and the Dover boss has been telling us all about saving them from relegation. Former Gillingham legend Andy Hessenthaler took over at Crabble last October, with the side on just seven points from 15 games. Following a win at Barrow at the weekend, they've now secured their place in the National League for next season. Hess says turning the club into a full-time outfit has proved invaluable. It's been a bit of a, a whirlwind to be fair when we when we took over in I mean, back in October with you know seven points from 15 games. The chairman wanted to go full-time, uh, part-time at the, uh, at the time and uh, you know so it wasn't just on the pitch we had to do a lot of stuff off the pitch find a training ground um, you know have, the, have the, the problem with players being part-time to you know then change it for full time we had the PFA involved you know, players you know uh, players association because you couldn't really change contracts so there was lots of stuff that had to be sorted off uh, off the pitch in terms of uh, contracts really and we got there in the end um, you know some players just couldn't do the the full time training so they had to leave and, uh, and and we was able to add to the squad over the, over the over that sort of period of time and it made us a lot stronger how did you find the work that had to go involved into that that transition from part time to full time? But also, the, you know, the process, as you say, like things like the PFA being involved. How, how, what was the workload for you at that time? Was that more than you expected when you first walked through the door? Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be as complicated as it was, but I, I, I sort of understood it really because obviously we're going in and we're moving the goalposts. All of a sudden, players are part time, but they're on they're on full time wages. As far as I, could, I was concerned, I looked at the budget, looked at what they were earning, and it's like you know they're doing two nights a week, and it really in truth they should be training every day on on, on what they're earning. So. Um, so well, that was it's fairly easy for me. I said, look, we're going to go full time now. Um, but it was the ones that had obviously other jobs, which was always going to be the problem. Um, but we got there in the end. But it was a lot of workload. But uh, you know, main focus was obviously getting them on the training ground, getting them organised, getting them fitter. Uh, and, and certainly looking at them now, that's you know we reap the rewards of training every day, and uh, you can see it in the performances. You came in with the brief of avoiding relegation, getting Dover out of the trouble that they were in. When you bear in mind the number of points that they had or didn't have when you took over, what was the kind of the immediate focus for you? How did you go about turning that around and start putting results together? Well, I think the focus straight away is obviously getting on the training ground, getting their fitness levels up straight away, which we needed to in this division. It's like most teams, pretty much most of the teams are full time, so that was the the, the biggest issue. Uh, and then and find a way of playing and also assess the squad because I didn't really know the squad. I knew the players, but I didn't know all of them. Um, I had to watch, watch a lot of videos of their previous games, you know, with the staff. And, 
you know, it's give them an opportunity first before we actually then identify what we needed to bring into the football club to to help us, you know. So, and I think you looked at the results when we first came in. We got a great point at Harrogate, but after that, we, we, we found it a little bit difficult to get results. We lost to Braintree, we lost to Dagenham. Um, so, it, that was taking a little bit of time in terms of getting them on the train and getting them organised, giving them a little bit of time, the ones that were there, and uh, and then adding to it. So, you know, once we had done that, I think the, re- the results started to come along and uh, we got onto a decent run. And, uh, you know, the results came and the confidence came back. You know, it's difficult when, you, when you're on a bad run like that. It's like players, it's, they're good players, but they, they lose confidence. And it, it was, it was, you could see that in some of the players. Obviously, every, every manager's got a different philosophy. Mine, mine was different to, to the previous manager, Chris, who'd done a fantastic job there over the years. Um, but obviously, this season worked out for him and, you know, they decided to make the change. But, um, you know, again, credit to the players. They had to, to buy into what, I, you know, myself and the staff were looking for, what we felt we needed to do to, to keep us in this division. And, you know, fortunately for us, it's, it's worked. You can hear more of his interview on the KM Football Podcast. That's it for now, but for more news throughout the day, you can head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.